Hey everyone, this is a special filler episode as Valerie is out of town and cannot record with me. After a few hours of brainstorming on what I should just talk about by myself, I decided to mention a few musical figures who influenced me as a musician and impacted my musical journey. My name is Louie and you're listening to Musical Tangents. Welcome. So the first one that I want to introduce to you, uh, introduce to you is Stephen Sondheim. If you don't know who Stephen Sondheim is, he was one of the most revolutionary, creative genius composer lyricists in Broadway history. Born in March twenty second, nineteen thirty, he grew up in a middle class Jewish American family until his parents got a divorce.、Uh, he always recalled that his parents' divorce was. Rather messy and dramatic. However, the divorce brought him under、um, his mother's custody, upon which they moved to Doylestown, Pennsylvania. He met his lifelong mentor, surrogate father figure, and a friend named Oscar Hammerstein the second.、Uh, Hammerstein was another legendary、uh, librettist, lyricist, and producer on Broadway. He worked with giant figures like Jerome Kern and Richard Rodgers,、uh, and Sondheim consistently told how he just loved Hammerstein so much that he would have imitated whatever Hammerstein would have been.、Um, he would always give an analogy like, if Hammerstein was a geologist, Sondheim would be a geologist by now.、Um, However, thankfully,、uh, in this case, Hammerstein was a theater figure, and Sondheim fell in love with theater. He wanted to imitate Hammerstein so much that he wrote a full-length musical when he was just twelve years old. He brought the libretto and the score to Hammerstein, asked him to critique it as if Hammerstein received a proposal to produce it on Broadway, expecting Hammerstein to say to him. Steve, I am delighted to tell you that uh, uh, R- Richard Rogers and I are happy to produce a professional show written by a twelve-year-old. However,、uh, to Sondheim's chagrin, Hammerstein said, "Well, in that case, it's the worst thing I've ever read."、Uh, thankfully, again, Hammerstein proceeded to explain in depth as to why the show was not good to Sondheim. By teaching him the basic principles of musical theater and storytelling in theater, Sondheim was genius and brilliant enough to have been a composer lyricist in shows like Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, Sweeney Todd, Sunday in the Park with George, and Assassins. These are just a few musicals, a、uh, few musicals that he has been a part of. And he was also a lyricist for shows like Gypsy and West Side Story. His reputation became quickly the god of musical theater. So why was he so influential and important in my musical journey? Well, to those of you who don't know or who didn't know until today, I originally wanted to be an actor, specifically for musical theater. I loved musicals even as a kid. 
But Sondheim shows were not particularly famous or popular in Korea where I grew up until I was about 13. I discovered Sondheim when I began musical theater or just began theater in high school here in the United States. And since I was learning English at that time, Sondheim's lyrics were a bit of a challenge to follow along. But I remember that I would just listen to his songs with the scores pulled up and I searched definitions of the words that I didn't know at the time. In that sense, Sondheim has taught me a lot more about rhyming, uh, understanding the words, intertwined relationships with the inherent meanings and sounds, and just English language in general. It was fun, and I enjoyed listening to his songs all the more. Then I saw a Broadway revival production of Sunday in the Park with George in April 2017 that featured Jake Gyllenhaal as George, who's uh, George Seurat, the painter in the show, and Annalie Ashford as Dot. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with uh, with the Broadway productions and what's happening on Broadway, Annalie Ashford currently is playing Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd. And this experience changed me and shook me to my core. I think that was the first time I ever cried watching a musical. Up until then, I didn't really find many musicals to be emotional. Uh, it's true that many musicals are more or less musical comedies, or they always title it as musical comedy, where the plot and the characters are lighthearted. It's all the more about come on out and have a little little fun watching some of the shows that we just put on in front of you. While Sunday in the Park with George definitely had sense of humor, I think that that was the first time the arts made sense to me and and those lush arpeggiated theme that would reoccur each melodic lines that characters would sing and the song that was written in one sentence elaborating how the people in the famous painting didn't know that they were being immortalized by George's strokes of brush made all the more overwhelming reaction in my heart and all of that to me was emotionally overwhelming that I remember just crying throughout this entire second act. I think it was around then that I became obsessed with Sondheim's influences. He had to have come from somewhere musically, and it almost didn't make sense as I didn't study music formerly uh, that or that seriously at that time. So how did he know to compose musicals like he did. That's when I kind of fell into this whole rabbit hole of finding his interviews, documentaries, books, and whatever medium that explore the man, Stephen Sondheim. And after learning about him extensively, I began to explore others who influenced Sondheim himself. Stephen Sondheim often mentioned composers like Stravinsky, Rachmaninoff, Maurice Ravel, uh, Gershwin, and Leonard Bernstein, who he worked with uh, for West Side Story, as his musical influences. He then would always emphasize the importance of Ravel and Gershwin as his musical influences. 
Of course, little did I know of Ravel and Gershwin's interesting relationship in that they both admired each other so much that they wanted to learn from one another, but that's a story for another day. So, I began listening to their compositions. The first one was Ravel's Piano Trio. Now, for those of you who don't know, Ravel's Trio is... Difficult to understand. Uh, Sondheim mentioned in an interview uh, with Adam Gattel, who happens to be a grandson of Richard Rogers, uh, of Rogers and Hammerstein, how he introduced, how Sondheim introduced Ravel's trio to Hammerstein, to which Hammerstein had uh, had replied, "I have a hard time understanding the musicality of Ravel's trio." When I listened to Ravel's trio, while I did hear the influence of Ravel's harmonic language on Sondheim's sense of harmony, I didn't really quite understand how his music was connected to Sondheim's songwriting. Another piece that Sondheim mentioned often was Ravel's piano concerto for left hand. Now, that's a classical piece that I absolutely adore. Uh, With Ravel's piano concerto for left hand, I think it was much easier to infer how Sondheim was influenced by Ravel. Uh, those lush orchestral textures that Ravel brings out, um, almost that kind of like the triplet kind of rhythm or rhythmic figures that Ravel constantly uses in the concerto in the main uh, in the B section. That's how I discovered much about a legendary French composer, Maurice Ravel, and then I always knew of Gershwin because he was because he was famous for Rhapsody in Blue. Um, and on top of that, I had a fond memory of listening to Rhapsody in Blue as a child watching Disney's Fantasia. I didn't know that Gershwin wrote operas, musicals, and other pieces until I explored his music because of Sondheim. Um, and when talking about composers, George Gershwin, it is hard not to speak of his brother and the lyricist, era Gershwin. Together, the Gershwin brothers wrote on American masterpieces uh, such as Porgy and Bess and, uh, and, and, and different, different shows th- that succeeded in, on Broadway. That was a shock to me. For someone who was not that familiar with a lot of operas, I didn't know that operas could sound like that. Uh, for, for those of you who might not have an idea of what I mean by that, um, just look up any of the songs in Porgy and Bess. And Gershwin soon led me to learn about jazz, and that's how I began to explore musicians like Oscar Peterson, Art Tatum, etc. Then there are the Russian Russian composers, Stravinsky and Rachmaninoff. With Rachmaninoff, it was easy. His pieces were somewhat easy to listen to, since his harmony has always been somewhat swooning with the lush feelings of Russian school of romantic music, that's how I discovered pieces like Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto Number no. Two and Number no. Three. But I will save Rachmaninoff until later. With Stravinsky, I just began listening to Firebird. Now I knew of Firebird because, again, Disney's Fantasia 2000 featured the last three movements from the ballet, Firebird. 
I didn't know the music and how it sounded until I listened to it. After I learned that Stravinsky was a musical influence of Sondheim. After Firebird, then I, of course, started to listen to Petrushka, Rite of Spring, his other piano and chamber music. I can immediately tell that Sondheim was heavily influenced by Stravinsky's musical vision, and I fell in love with how Stravinsky used sound and textures to create a certain atmosphere and mood of the stories. He was a very story-centric composer, in my opinion. What's really interesting is comparing Sondheim songs in various musicals with some of his primary, primary musical influences. For example, he always stated that Rachmaninoff was his primary influence while he was writing for Sweeney Todd. All the chordal aspects of his vocal and harmony lines of the characters, it's pretty evident. The massive sound that he is able to create, that's also evident. Also, his usage of Dies Irae, the, 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 the Day of the Wrath theme, which is often tied with the concept of death, is a clear indication, but that has been used by other countless composers who wanted to just portray death. So, what was striking, personally, was when I heard the first song in the Pacific Overtures titled The uh, Advantage, uh, Advantages of Floating in the Middle of the Sea. Now, this is an opening number that introduces the atmosphere of Japan in 1800s in an underrated musical called The Pacific Overtures. Pacific Overtures, particularly to me, was a meaningful musical because, you know, before Pacific Overtures, the only really Asian-centric musical was The King and I. Um, And he utilized uh, the components from No and Kabuki Theater to create this massive musical folk tale of how Japan became the Japan of 1967 or 1976. I think it's 1976. And when you listen to the opening number and the way it was originally uh, uh, orchestrated and things like that, you can clearly tell that Ravel's um, there's a piece called, uh, I'm probably not going to, uh, pronounce this really well, but Alborada del Gracioso, which is not an orchestral piece originally, but it's a piano piece. It's a piano solo piece, um, in the five movement piano suite called Mirrors. And now originally it was created for ballet, But what's striking to me is not really any of that fact, but just the way the rhythm and some of the harmony sounds in the middle of the piece, how that sounds similar towards the end of the advantages of floating in the middle of the sea. I think that kind of relationship kind of explained to me, oh, I didn't know about this, but that's how Ravel and Sondheim are intertwined or how Ravel influenced Sondheim overall. If you listen to some of the Benjamin Britten's uh, very soothing ballet pieces, that's when you kind of see the influences of Benjamin Britten, the British composer. 
Um, and, you know, uh, there are countless examples like that. Uh, but all in all, what I wanted to tell everyone is after learning about Sondheim, I became obsessive to learn more about his music and composition. And I wanted to learn also more about just music theory and techniques in composition, harmony, rhythm, compositional forms. I I was fascinated. I wanted to be like Stephen Sondheim and began sketching out musical ideas and how to incorporate various elements that I loved in those shows. But another aspect that's very important for me is that Sondheim always told us stories that resonated each time you heard the songs there's a famous line called anything you do let it come from you then it will be new and that's in the that's one of the last lines that the character dot sings in sunday in the park with george and while sondheim always refused the idea of all of his songs being somewhat autobiographical I think that's one time that I have to say maybe he is somewhat relating to that philosophical ideas. Another great example of that is how people perceive history. Uh, going back to the show Pacific Overtures, there's a song called Someone in a Tree. Now, to briefly explain what's happening in this case, um, there were essentially the Japanese governors were meeting having a meeting about what to do about foreigners or in this show's context westerners and how they were going to treat them or how they were going to deal with the situation of them constantly coming or being interested in japan and while historically speaking there was nothing dramatic about it they had to make it dramatic because it's a dra uh, dramatic piece so what does sanheim do instead of musicalizing the possible conversation that could have taken place at the time, he takes the narrative off of the the governors and gives it to someone who was young and who was there at the time witnessing it. So there are two separate characters, well, three characters if you want to be technical, but three actors essentially tell the same story, but without one, the story is not complete. And... That's where the concept of if I wasn't there, if someone in a tree wasn't there watching it, if someone under them weren't listening to their conversations, the event did not take place. So the history became all of a sudden subjective. And that's how it's recorded. And to me, all of these ideas that he always puts into all of the songs, even though he makes it sound like it's you know, somewhat underwritten is what draws me to Stephen Sondheim. Um, and he is not well known. Many shows of his are not really well known to the general public. Um, however, it still very much resonates with all of us. You know, another show that could be the case of this is... Merrily we roll along. The musical's plot goes backward in time, illustrating how creative people can change over time based on various circumstances. It's these shows 
that really made me feel connected with his shows. One last thing that I want to talk about Stephen Sondheim is that he always emphasized how important his teachers were. He always were very. He was always very fond of Oscar Hammerstein, and he would oftentimes cry about it. But it was just the right time, the right place for me to learn about Stephen Sondheim and. What a figure could do in a musical journey is that they could take you to their influences, just as much as you know people like uh, the Beatles, people like Ray Charles, people like um, Rolling Stones, who always talked about where they got their ideas, where they got their basic principles from. That's how you start to discover maybe the figures that were not relevant in our time, but relevant in their time when they were growing up. And I think that's what I did with Stephen Sondheim. And that's why Stephen Sondheim should be in one of your uh, one of your recommendations of exploring more and discovering more shows. Uh, I will end on this. So Stephen Sondheim actually was one of the people who encouraged um, a young composer lyricist who also wrote most of his shows and was just hustling and bustling in the 90s on Broadway. He wanted to be like Sondheim. He... Uh, even worked at the famous diner on Broadway and he dreamt of having his own show produced on Broadway. And after spending about seven years on one show, he wasn't getting anywhere except Sondheim was the one who suggested him to take it further. So he abandoned the show quickly and he started working on another show based on the show called uh, based on the opera called La Bohème and some of you have already guessed it that was Jonathan Larson so it's important for us to kind of appreciate that there are people like Stephen Sondheim who understands how important it is to young musicians to have that kind of encouragement to move forward you always have to move forward with the ideas that you learned from the past. And that's what Sondheim has taught me. And I hope Sondheim teaches you all of that as well. And with that, I will talk to you later. Mm-hmm.